Welcome to Conlanger, the podcast by constructed languages and people who create them. I'm George Corley. With me over in Maine, we have Mike Lentine. Hi. And uh, William is not with us today. He had a uh, um, he had a family matter that he had to attend to. But uh, we do have a special guest today, and that is Nizar Habash. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me on the on the podcast. Yeah, where are you, Nizar? I'm in New York. In oh, all New right, York city, New York. Yes. All right. Um, and the reason we have Nizar on is we are featuring his conlang, Delasan. So, um, uh, just to start out, we always ask this uh, at the beginning, uh, Nizar, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into conlanging and what the, the impetus was for Delasan? Yeah, sure. I'm, although I live in New York uh, and I've been in the U.S. for the last twenty-something years, I'm, I'm I'm Palestinian myself. I uh, grew up in the Middle East, uh, pretty much uh, up to high school, and then I came to the U.S. to study. And um, I think uh, uh, the, the story of how I got into conlanging is is kind of related to the experience of being a diaspora Palestinian. Kind of, uh, I I. I was born in Iraq and I lived in like Lebanon and Syria and Soviet Union and then Tunisia and mostly traveling with my parents, uh, escaping war situations or political, you know, problems. Uh, oh. so as part of it, there was this kind of, I think kind of as an adult, I reflect back on how this feeling of not being part of a country, not having my own place that, uh, kind of, uh, you know, got expressed by constructing a made-up country, uh, which um, was a, a little island in the Mediterranean that does not correspond to any uh, place there. And uh, that, you know, just that I called my own and we was named Salamon, kind of like from the word peace, you know, which also is part of the name of my grandfather. So it was kind of like, this is my place in the world. I got to be the king of this place. And I, my two brothers and sister, we got into constructing, you know, what would this country look like? What would we like to have in it? And uh, had like, you know, made stamps and money notes. We printed, you know, made uh, maps and I wrote a history of of uh, this country, you know, kind of situated in the history of the Middle East. Um, and but there was up to that point, this was like we're talking like ninth grade, 10th grade high school. Um, it was just no discussion about another language. And then it kind of thought, well, you know, wouldn't it be nice if it has its own language? And uh, having at that point, I've been exposed to several languages just from all the travels that I had. And I, I just thought, you know, this would really be interesting. I didn't even know anybody, you know, had thought of anything like this. I thought I just was mm -hmm. came up with something that nobody has ever thought of ever. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, uh, someone later, I think before high school was, uh, was over, you know, mentioned Esperanto. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's such a cool idea. I've been thinking about the same thing, you know, but of course it's, you know, the, the constructed aspect. I did not have any any plans like um, of uh, having a universal language or anything like this. This was more kind of a an art form that uh, I was more interested in. You know, writing poetry in it and kind of just the playfulness of creating the language itself. What was that was uh, what 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 kind of drove it. Um, so, um, and I guess I'm, I'm looking at the notes that you send me here. I, so I probably should say a few things also about my relationship with language. So my, my first language is Arabic. Mm -hmm. And I speak English, obviously. And I've studied uh, French in college and Hebrew. And I'd say these are the languages that I have, you know, some degree of competence in, although nothing close to my English and Arabic. Um, and uh, as part of what I do for a living, I actually am quite involved with language work. Uh, so my undergraduate degree uh, was in computer engineering, and I got a second degree in uh, linguistics uh, from uh, Old Dominion University in Virginia. And then I did my... 
PhD in computer science, specializing in computational linguistics, and especially I work on machine translation uh, between human languages. Oh, and okay. Yes, and then in recent years, actually for the last about uh, seven or eight years, you know, starting with my postdoc, I started working on uh, computational modeling for Arabic and Arabic dialects, which um, is funding a lot of the work that I do now. And I have a little group here at Columbia University where I work uh, specializing on uh, Arabic language modeling, um, you know, for computational purposes. That's right. Um, so, yeah, very cool. I've lost my train of thought. Okay. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> a lot of that, that was that was quite a lot. So okay, it, was, um, it was fantastic though. I'd like to hear a little bit about the conlanger because we yeah. Yeah, know, sure. a lot of people we were talking earlier and people we come to conlanging in a lot of different ways, but like I know when I started we ha- I felt like, Oh, I'm the only one that does this and when yeah. I found Esperanto, I'm like, Wow, it's so cool. Somebody else has actually done this. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting how so many you know, so many different conlangers can come to it and have similar similar experiences but each in their own kind of way yeah absolutely and it's and it's interesting you have a you have a different sort of way about of coming about things than a lot of uh people we talk to do a lot of conlangers that we talked to were inspired by um well-known conlangs like like tolkien's languages which i i actually never heard of until i came to the u.s and was like in my 20s (laughs) (laughs) just completely you know i mean never heard of it you know and it just uh so yes definitely uh different experience yeah um the it is um your your presentation is a little different than uh a lot of uh conlangers too but um it's it seems more uh it, it seems more oriented towards sort of learners and such that are not necessarily linguistically inclined too. Uh, you're, you're talking about the the book uh, the Delasan book that I have online. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think this. I don't know. I mean, I I mean, when I did this, um, I, I guess uh, that's how I felt was an appropriate uh, mode of presentation. For it, I, you know, I, I can't say that there are many people who are using the language. Although I did actually uh, once got contacted by this guy who wrote like a two, three paragraph email completely in Delasan with footnotes saying that he had to invent a few extra vocabulary items. Uh, so, but that was just unusual. Uh, uh, some people. Who've seen it? I mean, they they seem to kind of. I mean, they like it. They like the easy. It's easy to read uh, and 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 kind of follow. To kind of treat it more of a game. So I've had requests mm-hmm. for from people to write them. You know, uh, love poetry for their beloveds or. <laughs> I mean, you know, and then it becomes like a, you know, like a code, a secret code, and here is a key for it. Um, of course, mm. I mean, the biggest thing that had happened for this language that was really interesting was the year I finished uh, my undergraduate degree, I was in Old Dominion University, as I said earlier, uh, in, they had this program called the Honors College that was kind of more advanced, I guess. And the dean of that college kind of found out about the uh, Delasan, and and he thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice if you can uh, create a graduation certificate for everybody in your class? Uh, and they <laughs> actually they actually did it as part of the graduation ceremony of the college. So they had this gentleman who was like, you know, some emeritus uh, professor read it in Latin, and then I went and I read it in Delasan, and and everybody got a certificate that year. The year after, they decided to add one of the symbols, the one that appears on the front, uh, on the first page of the book, the symbol of knowledge, uh, was added into the shield of the college, which is, wow. to me, was just incredible. I mean, I was just that's, like, wow. <laughs> that's that's quite amazing that yes. uh, so much. Now, can we talk about this? So, you have sure. two different writing systems for Delasan. You have an alphabetic writing system that um, it looks to be very much uh, uh, phonemic. Yes. There's not not anything crazy going on. And then you also have uh, what looks like um, sort of a logographic system, yeah. but it's is 
are these signs this this is my question you uh you call these Delasuni ideograms are these like linked to particular words no they're not so i mean i w- when i did this at some point there was this kind of ambiguity on what direction i was going and you can tell of course i was i was just fascinated with the idea of creating a font uh that is unique to the language and uh and when it comes to you know writing systems i mean something like chinese is just kind of jumps at you it's just incredible especially coming mm-hmm. from the backgrounds that we come from i mean arabic or english are much simpler writing systems compared to chinese and and i was just kind of fascinated by it so i've i've done you know readings in it just to kind of learning about it and and some some things just kind of jump at me like oh i would love to be able to have this and uh kind of just i i do artwork on the side i actually in fact I had wanted to go into studio arts when I went to college and then, you know, colleagues, older colleagues suggested that I'm actually would make a better linguist than an artist <laughs> but, because I, I talk about languages a lot more. So I think this is kind of where this bit of outlet came out. Um, and I was fascinated with just, I mean, if you notice, there's a lot of focus on uh, compos- compositionality of the forms that like happiness and body makes health or, you know, mm. light and eye is yeah. knowledge. Um, and I think in the book, I, I, I claim that this is remnants of an older writing system that just somehow kind of uh, disappeared. Yeah. Uh, but, but they're I, not really they're not really used to represent no. words so much. No, no. In the in the current time frame of your <laughs> right. fictional, yeah, so to speak. Okay, yes. uh, I can see that sort of thing happening. Uh, you can I can tell that you uh, are an artist because the. Um, the forms of all of your characters, both on the alphabetic script and these uh, ideograms, um, are um, very attractive. So, thank you. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting to to have this idea of you you have the remnants of a logographic system that's just used as just random symbols. Um, I could see something like that happening for languages like Chinese sometime in the future or something like yeah. that. Um, I mean, I, I was initially, I mean, one thought that comes to mind is this claim supposedly about how um, the older, you know, Semitic Phoenician scripts was developed as a reduction of the uh, forms that existed before it, you know, in like mm-hmm. Sumerian, you know, that was in cuneiform that, that, that looks more Chinesey, so to speak. Uh, so, yeah. but, uh, but there is, of course, the, the, as you point out, I mean, the coexistence of the two is, is, um, I, I have not seen it uh, either in real languages that I know of. Well, I, there, there are, there are languages that have both, uh, two, both a, uh, a phonemic script and logograms. Like I'm thinking mostly, or... yeah, mostly Japanese, yeah. but those, the, the logograms in, Ch- in Japanese, the kanji do actually represent words and morphemes. Right. right. Whereas right. these are, these have been somehow reduced all the way just to ideograms. So, um, I don't know if that happens as much, but mm. the I could it's it's something I could see happening. Yeah. Um one thing I wanted to mention really quick is I always like to look at little phonological things and mm. um you have a little note here you saying that um let's see, it says as for intonation, a falling pitch denotes the completeness of the thought being uttered. Uh WH questions have a falling pitch to a rising pitch, uh, denotes incompleteness. A rising pitch is also used with exclamations and yes, no questions. So yeah. that a lot of, uh, conlangers don't really do. It's, uh, of course it's not, it's sort of a little, just a little bit on intonation, but a lot of conlangers don't even mention like sentence level intonation at all. I wonder if maybe some of that is from your background of knowing, learning languages, multiple languages very Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I think, well, this section probably I would say probably 
came out of the fact that I had taken a advanced course in phonology when I was in uh, undergrad uh, school. Oh, you know, okay. and I was so uh, and in in Old Dominion they did not have an undergraduate degree for li- in linguistics. There was only a graduate program. So so I sat on all the graduate classes and um, and I loved it. I mean, I loved the classes. So I think some of what I learned there, I I, I immediately you know uh, used uh, when I'm describing. Uh, and of course, I mean, if you read it carefully, it's it's almost the same as English. I mean, there's nothing special yeah, about it. It, today. it is. It is it, yeah, as I read, as I actually read through it, I just yeah. noticed that you mentioned yeah some I mean, some some prosody in there. But then when I read it, I'm like, you know, it's this kind of. <laughs> I think I think WH questions is different. I think I think. Uh, we do have like a a rise on WH questions in English. Yeah, as well. I'm yeah, not sure, yeah. but that's that's the only difference. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it is it is good that you thought about that. Um, yeah, a lot of I mean, have... I've actually spent time more on the section about stress because I was it kind of stressed me out even. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because I, you know, I, I wanted to write poetry in it and to get the poetry to sound right, you know, I, the, it just, I had to be very clear about what my stress rules are. And, uh, and for a while, actually, I had in the previous version of the book, the rules for stress were slightly different, in fact. Um, and they were a bit simpler. And when I went back and I redid it, I realized, you know, I, I write this, but I don't actually say it. I, whenever I, whenever I read the poems or think of the words, I'm, I'm applying a different rule and like, what the heck is this rule that I'm applying? So I had to actually sit down and write all my, kind of evidence of how I say these things and then like discover the rule from it, which oh, is that's, a whack backwards, you know? That's that's an excellent thing to do. As long as you're not you you take a look and check back at it to see that yeah. you're not too influenced by your native language. But right. Right. I think that's actually a good way in some in some cases to go about uh figuring out certain tricky things. Yeah. Just do a Say a few things, yeah. sound it out, or for for other grammatical things, do some translations of sentences and stuff, and then you can, and from there you can figure out what's what's going on. All right, all right. Um, moving along. Sure. Um, I'm making my own little uh, list here, so. Yeah, Mike, do you you have some some uh, questions to bring up, or or some uh, some. Uh, Things that you're looking at in the in the grammar that that you want to ask about. Well, um, there's some. I'm, I'm flipping through the grammar, at, you know, and when I was also from the beforehand, um, there are certain things that came out that were interesting. Um, they're not really as organized as I'd like to have them, like mm. the first one section, the other. But um, the first thing that I saw, you know, um, well, not the first thing, but first thing I've written. Um, and I see, I like that you have the, the transliteration and the native script right there. It helps some people who are not familiar with one of them. Um, right. But with double, you might mention this earlier, but with doubled consonants, are there geminate consonants? Does consonant length, um, distinguish, you know, morphemes or, or not yes. morphemes? Are they different phonemes? Yes, yes. Uh, so the, the writing system, uh, as George said, is just completely phonemic. It's whatever you write is what you say. And so any, any doubling, um, of the form of the, of the letter, it just, it means it's doubled. Like on page 11, there is the word for rain is, is rasha. So you actually mm-hmm. say the sh sound twice in that case. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, so there was like a double S, so there was double L sometimes. Yes. Um, okay. And then when you have two consonants together, um, well, I saw one, I forget what it was, but uh, I saw the word, I think it was like R-S-I-M-A. R-S. And the, uh, I wasn't sure if the letter R, is it like a retroflex R like English, or is it flipped? Because hmm. it says uh, R like root in the... Like, uh, how, how, how is your R pronounced? Uh, R. Okay. Oh, okay. So trill. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a trill. Yeah, it's a trill. Okay. Instead of R like root, but uh, you know. Yes. I'm interesting. I'm interested. I've looked through looking at some some grammar points. Uh-huh. Um, I notice you ha you conflate passive voice with um an ergative. That's an interesting thing. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure why that happened that way. It just, uh, it just <laughs> did. <laughs> it's, it wasn't particularly, I don't know. I haven't really thought about if there is any effect of other languages that I, that I know that led to this. I don't have any deep thoughts about it. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. It's, it, it, uh, it's interesting to have, uh, um, sort of an, uh, un, you have an art narrative and maybe an unaccusative mm-hmm. marking, right. uh, system. Yeah. So, like, to smell, um, something and to make something smell like something or, yeah, yeah is, uh, or to, to make a smell, is it? Or, um, are different, um, yeah, are so, different forms of shimen. Yeah. So in, in this case, it's, um, the three smell examples. One of them would be the equivalent of saying, you know, the dish smells good. So this would be the unaccusative form. Yeah. And I smell, uh, the food, uh, is the second, the base. And then the third one is I made him smell something. Oh. So when I ask someone to go and smell it, like, could you please smell this for me? Oh, okay. That's and then so of... the par- yeah, and then the parallel with with hearing is that something is heard or I hear or I to to listen to actively do the hearing uh, would be the difference. Mm, okay. Uh, these these were uh, kind of I think of these more as derivational constructions, which you know they're not part of any general inflection. You know, so, so it's not not every verb yeah, would necessarily I can, I can, do this. I can see that the maybe they're maybe they were the they were more grammatical at one point and they've become more the the meanings have drifted a little bit because um uh in your fictional history of course because yeah, of course. I, like you you, you <laughs> mentioned this this gishimen uh that's labeled as the the accusative prefix but in that case it's doing a causative right but right, right meanwhile the listen and then the listen it's more like a volitional thing so yeah it's um i had i had a similar thing in Ayuriya where i had uh, um a suffix da on verbs that i just didn't know what i was doing with it i just put it on various different verbs to make various different distinctions and i ended up making an explanation that it was actually originally two derivational suffixes mm. and then those drift, the words drifted, drifted in meaning yeah so yeah, the, that that kind of stuff is interesting actually. Sometimes when you yeah, think. absolutely, it's it's kind of actually interesting. I mean that that section particularly was also added in this edition of the book. There was the earlier one was like the written in like oh god ninety seven I think nineteen ninety seven, and now this is like almost you know <laughs> fourteen years later or so, uh, and and I just thought you know I'm. I, I've been using this, you know, this gi and b prefixes on lots of things. Let me see what pattern is emerging. So it kind yeah. of happened that way. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's. Well, I had some other questions. Sure. Um, well, I was what I was asking about when we mentioned the trilled r. We kind of uh, George has some other questions to interject there, but I was going to say if it's an r by itself, is it syllabic or is it like r s i m a? Like is that rsima or rsi? How is the I think that would probably be Rsima. Okay. So it would be part of the same syllable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you have some, that, that, that must be Arabic influence to have some, some of those odder, um, yeah, I mean, it's actually, so s- standard Arabic would not allow it because standard Arabic has a CV, CVC structure. It's very simple mm-hmm. syllabically. Uh, Palestinian Arabic does allow it. So, so I can oh, say okay. Palestinian words like rjel. Which starts mm-hmm. with an R followed by a Z for sure, mm-hmm. and uh-huh. Rsum, you know. So yeah, that 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 happens. Oh, mm. that's interesting. Yeah, um, that's that's interesting. <laughs> uh, how how much has Arabic? Um, you mentioned that uh, Semitic languages affect have affected uh, the language. Yeah. Uh, Indo. It says uh, main contributors are from the Indo-European and Semitic families. So those are the so. Um, is really how much influence is that on? Yeah, on the, that on the I, I think in terms of vocabulary, there's a lot of things. There are a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of forms came from Arabic mm-hmm. or Hebrew, but also from you know just 
you know, Latinate root type things. I mean, I, I've, I've done, sometimes I would pick some, some forms and just add them in from like Japanese, like the word for book is, uh, on, you know, from the Japanese, just kind of for the fun of it or, mm-hmm. uh, but, but mostly I, uh, I think it was just as I was reading about other languages and uh, going through grammar books, you know, so you know a lot about many languages, but you don't know any of them. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, well, so I, it just whatever kind of sticks in was kind of being carried. I was not very, um, I did not have kind of a, a, a great theory, a, a lexical theory for what I wanted to do uh, mm-hmm. and just kind of was more playful with it. The, the the history of the country, supposedly, the little island that started this thing, was when it was written, it talked about how uh, being kind of south of Cyprus across from Palestine, Israel, it's it's just kind of a place where that support that lots of conquerors who came into the area would stop. So um, it just naturally, it's kind of like Malta and Maltese where you have Arabic mixed with Italian in mm-hmm. a very beautiful combination. So there was a little bit of that going on. Um, in, in imagining, I, I don't, we didn't explain how Japanese got there, but <laughs> that happened later, I think, just kind of for the fun of it. Yeah, uh, um, it sounds like this is like a very personal language for you. I mean, you do have yes. your fictional setting for it, but it seems it's less about making a natural like language for that fictional set- setting and more for about you tooling around. Cause it's, um, it's very regular. It's very, um, um, it's, it, it's very much sort of heavily influenced by, by personal things. Um, and it, uh, it, it's, it's not like, uh, you, you sort of picked, picked words from wherever you, you, yeah. uh, felt like it sounds like. It's not like you, like we've had some, some people on the show who have done like serious like research and stuff, but yes, for you, absolutely. it looks like you just we're having fun with this. And uh, doing, I would say absolutely you know. yes. Uh, so I know from phonologically, it's extremely uninteresting compared to some of the language that I've seen. You know, yeah, either yeah, natural yeah. or constructed for sure. And lexically, it's very playful. Like this whole idea of, you know, Macbeth giving you the word for guilt and Hitchcock the word for fear. You know, <laughs> as, you know, it was just that I can remember them, you know, it just kind of as I was playing along uh, with them. So yeah, I, I don't have a, a lexical uh, kind of goal of creating something that would be, you know, uh, philosophically kind of capturing all meaning of, you know, so what is it that, um, you know, the form of the word tells you completely about its function. There was no interest in doing that whatsoever. I wanted more to write poetry in it and, uh, you know, have beautiful looking calligraphy and uh, Mm. just kind of, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun (laughs) that way. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a, an interesting, I, I really, uh, I think that is, um, just sort of a, a, a good thing to do sometimes, just to have something that's, that's personal to you that you don't really think that it's, uh, I don't know. I do, I do really enjoy, uh, looking at your dictionary here. No, just thank you. Looking at different mm-hmm. things and, um. And speaking of, um, you, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, oh, go ahead. Well, when I was speaking of, you know, having poetry and having a lot of different uh, translations on here, I really like that you have not just straight translations, but you also have things like college diplomas and wedding certificates. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I, I mean, think- there's actually a, a wedding certificate that has been used actually for about, you know, probably a dozen or so people who got married uh, into this. And lots of my friends know that this is a gift that I give to people that I know who get married. So, <laughs> and then there was one case actually where uh, the groom afterwards came and he said, like, thank you so much for doing this for us because it actually, uh, solved a bit of a problem. And I said, what problem? So he's Jewish and he married, uh, a woman of, um, you know, Chinese American heritage. And, uh, they, you know, she did not convert. So they did not have a ktuba for her. And when we did the, 
ceremony, you know, separately, uh, you know, for them, you know, it was just very much like having a Jewish marriage, which is kind of funny, actually, because here I am, a Palestinian wearing a yarmulke, you know, and, <laughs> you know, a made up language marriage between a Jewish guy and a Chinese woman, a Chinese American woman. Uh, it, it was, but it was kind of, I guess it's, again, the personal coming in and uh, kind of fun. Uh, so she felt kind of good that there was something almost that replaced, you know, what 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 she could not get, you know, for other purpose, you know, f- because she was not converting. Wow, that's mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> I really I like that. Um, you know, you it's not just straight, you know, translating words, but it's also in the format of it. I think that also is an interesting aspect that a lot of people, at least when I've seen online, they don't really uh, embellish in that direction. They don't really look at how a different you know, weddings to get look and the calligraphy of it. And I think that's a really interesting yeah. thing that you've done there. And it really helps to kind of make it a more rich and full feeling of language. Right, right. Um, speaking of the translations, I did notice one thing that I had a quick question on. Sure. Maybe, um, I saw when you translated some, some from the Quran, yes. um, there was the, you, you, the universal force symbol. Yeah. Is that something that they do? Uh, but yeah. No, so it's 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 not an it's not a Muslim thing. I I'm, I'm actually looking for it. Yeah, here it is. In Quranic uh, print, there is usually a very ornate marker uh, that 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 marks the verse number and it usually it looks very it looks like uh, like very fancy looking parentheses. And I did not have anything like this here, so I kind of went with the universal symbol. Um, but yeah, it, 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 visually, it seemed the closest thing that I can use to kind of highlight the boundary of the different mm. verses. But uh, but yeah, it's, it was just something I did uh, uh, here. Okay. okay, interesting. I wasn't sure if that was like maybe like it's like the like a some sort of just a symbol for. Whatever they're uh, no, no, it's it's definitely embellished uh, more than is needed, and you know it seemed. I tried to treat all of the religious texts with with respect in the translation, so this seemed you know mm-hmm. not not a bad uh, embellishment, you know. <laughs> yeah. Your um, your the under your greeting cards, um, the I love you greeting card is uh-huh. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Just it's it's just funny. Yeah, love, love, love. <laughs> and I like speaking. And you know, you have some very serious trans- translations, like religious texts and green cards. But then you have things like the Katy Perry song. Yeah, so it's, it's really it's it's very fun. Like you you hit it right on when you were saying it's a very fun take on it, and it's a very you know diverse and very rich um, yeah. cross section of language because it just really gives you a lot of different areas you can look into and see how that would be look. Or sound in uh, right. the song, and then you know, there's also later kind of some of the short poems that were done originally in Delasan. They're, they're not translations, and usually this was like crushes in college, <laughs> that, that just kind of like uh, you know express themselves in this odd way. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel bad. I know. Ne- I never. I don't write poetry in, in my conlangs or uh-huh. anything like. That. I'd like to. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but um, I like to work with the sound and play with the sound of it, like in for poetry. So, yeah, this was kind of. I mean, there was just there was a lot of fun doing this. I mean, I think. Uh, so my my sister jokes about how uh, my my dad was uh, was a you know. I mean, he passed away now, but uh, he was a published poet who've done a lot of you know poetry writing and. Uh, in Arabic, uh, primarily. And my sister was very good writing poetry in Arabic, and I completely sucked at it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just, I somehow did not have their, you know, there's this kind of writing poetry in the classical language with its rules and formats. It just, it, when it's done right, it sounds beautiful and elegant, and I, I never felt that I had the skill for it. So it almost, uh, so the joke is that I avoided this completely by making my own language, so nobody could question my ability to write poetry in it. You know, I'm the best poet in this language. <laughs> nice. Oh, um, God. You you translated from the Tao Te Ching. Uh, that's, that's just... The, just uh, I yeah. just noticed that. I'm like... Well, well the that's Tao Te Ching was, was quite... Uh, yes, and, and that... Uh, I mean, that text was 
quite, uh, I mean, for me, it was one of those things like in college that was like, wow, trying to decipher what the heck are they talking about? Uh, Eating the, you know, it's like, you know, you get these books and the text is so small and the commentaries go on forever. And so it was just, um, yeah, I wanted to, this really captures, you know, all the different things that were going on in my life during college, pretty much, you know. So it's uh, now um, one other thing. Looking at the the translations, sure. uh, I see you have some Delasoni nursery rhymes there. Are they yeah. translations of anything, or are they just no? Nope. Uh, yeah, these are all completely made up in the language. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed the translation doesn't seem to make much sense, but I'm guessing it rhymes in the language for the one, two, three, four. Yes. One, two, three, four. Koshu caught a lizard. Five, six, seven, eight. He put it in a balloon. Yes. Doesn't really seem to hang together well in English, but I see the translation. I it, they there's a rhyme so, scheme now. So have you you figured have you figured out so you figured out rules for poetry in in this language like things that the this culture presumably would would do in their poetry. That's a very good question. I uh, I wouldn't say that I had something uh, as sophisticated as rules. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm saying this coming from a background of Arabic culture that is so full of rules for poetry writing. So I I I, I did not have like even if you ask me what's the meter, I I don't really know. It just sounded right. It sounded good mm-hmm. when I was doing it. <laughs> and I I just did. It's almost really like uh, um, I mean I. I mean, it probably, if I get into it more, I would uh, try to discover what rules are, you know, I seem to prefer in my head to play with. But uh, I, at some point, I really was into the language and writing in it. And I mean, finishing this book and doing the dictionary and all that stuff took a lot of time, as you can imagine. In college, after I, you know, undergrad, in, in the last, well, last semester, I had applied to graduate schools and was kind of worried about, you know, if I'm going to get in somewhere good or whatever. And I remember one day going up the stairs to my apartment and in my head, I told myself, don't worry, it will be fine in Delasan. And I freaked out. I'm like, okay, shoot, you know, this is now, I'm just thinking in this. This is probably one step toward craziness. You know, I became quite worried and I decided, you know, I, I, I don't want it to be so, it scared me, let's put it that way. <laughs> and I just, because it becomes so, I was so fixated on it. And, and then I thought, okay, I just have to, um, kind of finish the book, have it as a record of what I had done and, and move on to other things. And, uh, um, and, and in fact, there is another language that I've been working on now for a while, which is a lot harder. I can tell you about that too, if you want, uh, at the end. <laughs> so, uh, another quick question. Sure. Um, I keep reading through and I see in a couple different passages or different things you mentioned Kosho. Is that just a common name like John or is that a... I, I guess, yes. Kosho would be like John. It's it's not a name that sounds like any other name I know in Arabic. I have no idea mm-hmm. why. Uh, just Kosho sounded right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, very weird. I, I just, uh, I, I don't really know. Uh, and even like some of the other stuff like the uh, Kirmis Kazoo, I mean, these are just uh, sequences of names that I just sounded appealing uh, and I don't know, you know, previous lifetimes maybe, who knows <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> very cool well, that's uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry? that's all the, I, I would recommend people read read through this it's, um, you have a 155 page book that details uh, which a large part of that is dictionaries. You have both, um, English to Delison and Delison to English. Um, oh, one last thing. Sure. Mike, you had this on the note, on the notes as a question, but I'm going to steal your question. Yeah, um, absolutely. So the, the lang- name of the language is Delison, but I believe I should try to find this, but I believe you said that the name of the island that these people are from is. Is, is uh, Salamon. Yeah. Salamon. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, which doesn't appear anywhere here. I think it's just, this was a much earlier version of, of, uh, the story. I don't think I mention it except maybe in the introduction. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, how- the, the name of the language comes from the word, uh, Lason, which is language in the mm-hmm. language. So de Lason means the language. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a, an apt thing to yeah. to do there. 
and, um, and uh, yeah, and and lesson comes. It's like this mix of Arabic and Hebrew. Lisan and lashon becomes lesson. So. Huh. Well, I I do highly recommend that uh, people read through it then and uh, and take a look. Um, it's probably a good thing, uh, especially a lot of con- beginning conlangers, uh, because it's written in in a way that you don't really need a whole lot of uh, linguistics to right. really uh, to really get what's going on. So that it's I I think it's a good um, language to be looking at. So uh, do you have any before we uh, wrap up the show? These are sure. Um, do you have any uh, final sort of points that you think maybe we missed or that you would want to specifically, uh, us to specifically talk about here? Uh, about the Lasan, not, not really. I think we've talked about, uh, everything. Um, I want to say also that there was also a long, you know, section in the book that was a phrase book, which had, uh, you know, that also I think for, other conlangers may be a good um, starting point, you know. So, so here's an example of Facebook. You mm-hmm. can copy it and work with it. So I'm, if somebody does that, I'm completely happy with it. Not a problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, see, what else? Oh, I wanted to just maybe put a, a plug-in for this language that I'm working on now, which uh, when I tell you about it, you'll understand where it's coming from, given everything I told you about myself. So after college, I had... Uh, you know, started taking more Hebrew and I met a, a, my, my Hebrew tutor was this wonderful woman who, you know, she's Israeli and became good friends. And both of us were people who believe in peace in the Middle East and, uh, having, you know, possibly something like a one state idea where people can live in one democratic country. And I thought, oh, you know, it'd be kind of fun, like constructing aspects of this place, you know, so, which became called Pelisra. And that included creating an equivalent of like a, an Arabic Hebrew Esperanto, which seems easier in certain way, uh, but much more complex than others because I do not have as much freedom, you know, as I had in doing the lesson. So I've been working on this uh-huh. for a few years now. And, um, and so this is just kind of, you know, hopefully you'll hear about it soon more in the future when I publish more on it. Oh, definitely, definitely, you know, email us and such. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we can, we can, uh, talk about that. Yeah. It's, uh, sounds like an interesting project. Absolutely. Oh, there's actually one other thought that may be interesting for the conlanging experience, uh, I probably should say. So when I did, when I started conlanging, uh, remember my, my parents were just kind of, befuddled by what, why am I doing this? And mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you know, just seemed like, you know, well, at least he's not, you know, going out and making, you know, I mean, this is a teenager, you know, not, not mm-hmm. getting in trouble. So I suppose that was good, but they definitely thought I was a bit weird doing this. And when I got into creating the fonts, you know, and, and learning about how to design fonts and how to uh, set them up, you know, that thought, you know, just kind of became just kind of much more involved. But then, um, Something kind of happened that was really interesting, and it was that um, when I finished college, I at the time Arabic support on on the web was very bad. I mean, this is just at the edge of Unicode becoming a standard, even like a few years before it became so widespread. And I actually got involved into a small startup that was interested in the f- designing uh, interfaces for Arabic for the web uh mm-hmm. and the techniques the technology that i kind of had you know worked with for delasan was nicely transferable to this real life uh kind of exercise i mean there was a small company at some point it, it didn't do very well it became obsolete very quickly but as an exercise i think it kind of like um I would say, like, to all of the young Kanglangers out there, you know, just whatever, like, have fun with it, play with it. And, you, you know, you're developing lots of skills and you never know if these, you know, when or how these skills become uh, useful. Um, so that was kind of my positive <laughs> experience story. That's great. <laughs> that's, um, that's interesting that you were able to apply Conlanging to the real world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <clears throat> Uh, I just had a quick question that uh, is kind of more about the as you were developing it side. 
But sure. when you were developing this, I don't presume the whole time it was on this PDF form in a nice, neat format. Did you use notebooks? Did you write in the script? Did you use transliteration? Did you? What was your? How did you keep everything together through this yeah. wonderful project? Yeah. So uh, in the very, very early days, it was uh, paper and pen, <laughs> and uh, in the there was one version of 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 Delasan that was kind of. That was kind of much earlier, uh, was done, God, on, like, uh, ah, what was it? It was, uh, it was some ancient program, like, you know, from those days when you had to get, like, a dungle to be able to use the, I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, so there's, you have to get, like, special, you know, uh, plugins, adapters to be able to even run the program. Something called mm-hmm. Universal Writer or something like this. this is like 25 years ago. So I designed fonts on that too then. But then eventually all of this was just not usable and, uh, things had to be created from scratch. I, a lot of the work that I had done was in an early version of Word. And then, you know, on Windows 3.0 in 97, and the fonts are in uh, TrueType fonts that were designed on Fontographer, so those are still usable. You can actually download the font from my webpage and use it, and you're welcome to use it. And uh, I think, let's see what happened. Uh, right now, everything is kept in uh, Word documents, uh, except for the dictionary. The dictionary is, I uh, I have it as an as a like a, a, a tab separated, uh, you know, Excel sheet, mm-hmm. and I I wrote like a little program to convert it to HTML uh, with all the different to kind of get the you know, the part of speech to be italic and the word to be bolded and then mm-hmm. the word in Delasan uh, in the script and then the word again in transliteration. All of that was done uh, from the databases. So yeah. this way, whenever I update them, I just go run my program again and it just prints the whole dictionary for me. I cut and paste. Um, and that just kind of made it more manageable uh, to do. Yeah. Um, the uh, the dictionary pro problem is a problem for all conlangers and it's good that you're you know you're a programmer so you knew right you had you had skills to make it work um i think that's about all we are going to have for today unless the, <laughs> there's any final sort of random things that uh i don't know mike do you still have more questions that you're interested in or no, I mean, actually, we I I was able to ask the ones that I have. It's all, other than that, other than what we've already asked, I think it's just mainly particular, it was like, you know, what's this or what's that word. But I think we had a really great area of the development of it and how much work you put in and really some good ideas and good, you know, things for budding conliners to think about. So, um, no, I'm, I think I'm good. Great. Okay. And, uh... And uh, we will have a link to the grammar in the show notes, as usual. Uh, I highly suggest people take a look at it, at least, because it's uh, very easy to get through. It's not its not one of these monster grammars that, that we've had. Well, I said it's 155 pages. Really, like... The grammar it's about stuff 100 is pages, in, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the grammar stuff is, is not that long. Um, uh, it's, it's mostly, uh, translated texts and, and dictionary. Yeah. The grammar is about 25 pages. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, I have, Mike, have we read this email? I don't think we have. Um, let me see. I don't think so. Um, I could be so, wrong. So, uh, this is just a real short email we got. But uh, I just wanted to point out, out something, and it says, this person says, uh, this is Shaw in Birmingham, Alabama. He said, I've discovered this podcast almost a month ago, and I'm on episode 46. I'm actually not a conlanger, but I love linguistics, and I love the discussion you guys have about different aspects of language. Well, thank you for producing such a fantastic, fascinating show. The part I like about this is he's not... It's interesting that we have some people listening to the show that are not conlangers. It's sort of, uh, uh, it's always something that I've thought about. Like, I felt that the main audience for this show would be conlangers, but we might get some bleed through from people who are just, who are linguists or are interested in languages and stuff. 
So I'm glad to see that there's a few people who, who are that way. That and Maybe we can even turn some people on to the idea of combining if they haven't ever talked to <laughs> uh, Maybe. Uh, anyway, um, uh, emails come to conlanger at gmail.com. Uh, you can also, uh, take a look at our contribute page and figure out, and, uh, figure out how to, uh, con- contribute a greeting for the top of the show. Uh, and, uh, the, that will also go to conlanger.gmail.com. And, uh, Nizar, I have one last thing for you. Um, every episode, I always ask, and if we have a guest, the guest is, it comes first is, uh, what are your final words of wisdom? So what's your final thoughts you want to share with everyone, uh, Conlang? Just a little bit of advice or something. Uh, do it so that you enjoy it. Have fun with it. Don't make it uh, take over your life and make you unhappy. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I very much enjoyed this, but I also knew at times that it can, you know, uh, just kind of, it becomes an obsession, you know. There's a little bit of a obsessive compulsive in in each one of us, and just keep that part at bay and 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 enjoy it. And there, there's no way that you can go wrong uh, doing this. It's it's fun. All right. And so with that, I'm going to go to Mike. And would you have anything? No, I'd, I'd say you know, um, yeah, that I agree with uh, Nizar. You know, do it so you enjoy it and. I can't even, you know, make better or embellish on that anymore because it's very good advice. All right, then I'm just going to say happy conlanging. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can send questions, comments, or topic or featured language suggestions to conlangery at gmail.com. To submit a conlang or natlang greeting for the top of the show, see our contribute page for details. Web space for Conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society, and our theme music is by Null Device.